Love Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. I am hoping that very soon Brian and Kathy Gray will be calling into the broadcast to kind of assume that would be happening on Wednesdays. We'll see how things go. Brian was suffering from a little back injury last week, and let's pray that he's got it all worked out. Amen. Some good adjustment by the King of Glory, the great physician. How about you today? Are you suffering from something in your body? Have you been sick? Have you been broken? Is there an area of your physical body that you have battled with in the realm of dis-ease? I want to declare unto you the biblical reality of a great physician who knows exactly what your problem is. He knows exactly the root cause of your problem, your infirmity, your sickness, your disease. Now, this is a phenomenal thought when one stands back and really considers the depth of what the master said, the master physician. You see, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God in heaven today. The Bible is very clear about that, that he died on the cross. He took the sins of the world upon him, and by his stripes, the 39 stripes that were upon his back, we are healed meaning those who have received him as the sacrificial lamb of God. We know that he died on the cross, and we know that they took him down from the cross, this man, Jesus, the God-man. We know that they put him in a tomb that had never had a man laid it before. We know that he was buried in that tomb. 
And we know that on the third day, he rose from death. That he who was dead three days later came back to life in his body, and he was seen of Peter, he was seen of the twelve, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he was seen by over 500 witnesses who had beheld him who had died and was now alive. Then we know, according to Scripture, that this man, Jesus, this God-man, this one and only, that he stayed on the earth for 40 days, and he was moving, whatever he was doing must have been absolutely amazing, in this body that was able to appear and disappear. It walked through walls. I mean, there was no restriction of this body. And we know for 40 days he was meeting at different times and intervals with his disciples. And we know he was speaking to them of things concerning the kingdom of God, the book of Acts chapter 1. And we know that this God-man, Yeshua, Jesus, after 40 days, he was taken up into heaven, for a cloud had received him out of their sight. We believe that cloud to be Daniel chapter 7, which was a cloud of witnesses. We believe that the Lord went up and he received a kingdom, the title deed, and that he was set down at the right hand of God in heaven. So God has a left hand, God has a right hand. And Yeshua sat down at the right hand of God in heaven, waiting, according to the New Testament, for all his enemies to become a footstool to his feet. For he must reign, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, until all enemies are put under him. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So if Yeshua is going to remain seated at the right hand of God in the heavens, and all principalities and powers and authorities being made subject unto him, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death, This is something that every individual believer has to mull over, contemplate, chew on. Our King, our Savior, our Lord, our God, our Master, our Creator. And we know that great is the mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh, preached on in the world, received up of angels, I mean, we read that in the book of Timothy, that Paul said, without controversy, great is the mystery. The mystery that God and Jesus are one and the same is an amazing thing, that God took on the robes of fallen humanity, but not sinful. He never had any sin, but he took on the robes of human beings, and he lowered himself unto death to pay a price for the sin of the human race. This is an amazing gospel. So we stop and think, okay, our king is alive. Our king is in another dimension. Our king is in the spiritual realm. Our king is at the right hand of God in heaven. Our king sees all things clearly. 
knows all things. Nothing is hidden from him. All things are open and naked unto him with whom we have to do. There's nothing that he's not aware of. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. And he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. God's spirit is everywhere. Before his throne is a crystal sea, better than a crystal ball. He looks at things through a perspective that he sees every detail to every single thing that is. He knows the number of hairs upon your head and mine. He knows the names of the stars. There's not a bird that falls to the ground without his knowledge of it. Imagine that. The God who is the creator of all things knows all things. There's no mystery to him. There's nothing he doesn't know in any realm of existence. And he's all powerful. He has no foe that could stand against him. <clears throat> he laughs and mocks at those that would raise their fist at him. The devil is not his foe in the sense that he's going to beat him up. God is not afraid of the devil. God has absolutely whooped the devil. I mean, if we're going to be honest, he disarmed him and defeated him. That means the devil's a serpent. He has no legs and he has no arms. He's been defeated and disarmed, right? That's what the Bible says. So as far as the devil being adversary to God in the realm of strength, no. The only thing that the devil is an adversary of God is to win the souls of men. But as far as strength, there's nobody that contains the strength of Almighty God and Jesus Christ. And that's why you and I have been granted permission <clears throat> to use his authority, to use his character, to use his name, to deal with whatever comes in our direction. Think about that. When you were a young Christian, and you didn't just grow up into an organized religious system, but you were a, a new believer, and you got born again, and Christ came into your heart by faith, and you had an experience with God, and then you got sealed by the Holy Spirit. You knew these things. When you read them, it was very clear. Jesus was your healer. And I want you to know today, he still is. Our faith must continue to grow and be established in all the promises of God. Our faith cannot grow cold. Our faith in God, our walk with God, cannot peter out into mere religion, a mental ascent. Our faith must be as strong as the 85-year-old man by the name of Caleb, who said, I want my mountain. I'm stronger now than when I was a youth. So our faith in God cannot afford to diminish. It must increase. We must go from faith to faith. And anytime we begin to degenerate, morbidity settles in. Unbelief settles in. Doubt settles in. Very subtly, no one would ever dare say, well, no, I, I, I'm an unbeliever or I don't, you know, I, I live in doubt. But in reality, that is exactly what happens when faith diminishes. So the only imperative of the moment for all true believers is to have an acceleration and a regeneration of our faith in God and in God's word. That means that by his stripes, you were and you are healed. 
And your faith in a physician that knows exactly how to fix you has to become your reality again. Not just my little religious group gathers together and we talk about Jesus being the healer. We read the Bible and it says he's a healer. Because you could read about it, you could talk about it, but there could be no fruit of it if it's not released by faith. And here where is where faith has power to move mountains. Here is where faith has the ability to heal. Here is where faith releases the individual into the dynamic of the supernatural power of the kingdom of God. Here is where believers are no longer running and hiding from the big bad wolf. Here is where we're moving through the earth as a sovereign military unit seeking to save souls, right? It's all by faith. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So it is our job to convince people to put their faith and their belief in him. But if the church is losing its own faith and its own believing, well, it's turning into what Jesus warned about. The salt is no longer salty. It's good for nothing but to be trodden underfoot. If we hide our lamp under a bushel, well, it's not useful anymore. And when the church becomes unuseful to the purpose of God, well, either God's going to find some other because church is not an organized religious system. Church is all about people. And if you and I, who call ourselves the church, are not operating in the full force of God's divine faith, hope, and love, well, we're not doing our job then. We must believe in miraculous healing. We must believe in the power of the kingdom of God. However, we do understand that a time of solar eclipse is coming, where it is going to appear that the darkness has overcome the light. It is going to appear, like in Revelation chapter 13, that the Antichrist will be able to conquer or overcome the saints for 42 months. So it'll have an appearance of lights out. But we know that the darkness has never overcome the light. We know that. That's scripture. And yet for a moment, like this solar eclipse that came in 2016 and is going to come again in 2024, and it's going to be a perfect X over the United States of America, we know it's only a solar eclipse. It's not real. It's not everlasting. It's not eternal. And so times come where darkness comes and there appears to be no light. Well, it is that time of darkness that your faith and mine is going to be have, have to be at its zenith. This ties into Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. You're going to be in a place because your faith is going to have led you there by the Spirit of God. And they're going to be saying, hey, he's over here and over there in a time of great darkness will come upon the earth. But it's at that time your faith, your hope, and your love for God is going to be stronger than ever before. And it's what's going to carry you through so that you may endure to the end. For he who endures to the end will be saved. But those whose faith diminishes will be subject to the vulnerabilities of the tactics of the enemy. So right now, you're sick in your body. You have aches and pains, and you're feeling this, that, and the other thing. You've been diagnosed by a doctor for this, that, and the other thing. I say unto you, may God stir the gift of faith that is in you. And may your faith, even if it's the grain of a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds, your faith can take hold of a promise of God today. It shall become a manifest reality. It's true.
It's the word of God. The world may not believe it. The devils may ridicule and mock it, even though they know the power of God and they know how strong they know. The devil knows the devils know what faith can do in a person's life. So they try to get everybody into unbelief. It's the worst sin ever. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, it was the devil telling the woman, don't believe God, because he knew that unbelief would take the man away from the father. So the devil, of course, his job is to get you and I not to believe, but our job is to what? He said, this is the work of God that you believe. So our contention with the devil is really over faith and unbelief. And this is the challenge. And you and I must be so convinced of the word of God that is the inerrant, eternal word of God. The same yesterday, today, and forever for everyone, everywhere, throughout all time. And for you and I personally, this is God's word to us. And this word is sown into the good soil of our hearts, and it is to produce life. That's how it began with us, right? I mean, the day we believed, didn't it change your entire life? It did mine. So why would we stop believing today? Because the darkness is coming. Gross darkness is rising. We know that. But it's also a time for a regeneration of faith to propel people into their high place in God. Our faith right now is in many things. Faith isn't just for a pink Cadillac. Faith was also for Noah to prepare an ark. Faith was for Abraham to leave behind the comforts of the Chaldean land or way of life in the land of Ur and to travel not knowing where he was going. That was faith. Sometimes faith isn't all about the candy coating of getting every little blessing. Faith is building a ship when there's no water around. Faith is you going and, and, and leaving your country not knowing where you're going, just trusting God's got a plan for you. That's faith. So faith is stepping out into the dynamic of whatever God says. And sometimes God speaks by a rhema word and tells people personally what he wants them to do. They get an idea and they feel like it came from God. And it's really something that resonates with them. And they say, I believe it. And so they act upon it and they do what they believe God told them to do. Well, on an easier scale, God has written everything out in the Bible for you and I to believe. So all we have to do is read what it says and do it. And it's supposed to produce incredible fruit. Why is it that today we're having a hard time with that? We know what the word says. By his stripes, we are healed. You are healed. I am healed. You may have one kind of sickness. It could be leukemia. It could be diabetes. It could be cancer. It could be infection, bacterial infection, virus. It could be deafness, blindness, mute tongue, maybe crippledness. What does that have to do with God's power to heal? Sometimes the devil likes to make us think that the particular diseases that are mentioned are so deadly because the number of people that have died from these things. But what does that have to do with our faith and a God who backs his word? Cancer has been healed before. 
People with full-blown leprosy have been healed before. People who are blind from their birth have been healed before. People that are deaf have been healed. People that were mute, their tongue was loosed and they spoke. People that were crippled and begged for money at the, at the gate called Beautiful were made to rise up and leap and walk and praise the Lord. People that were actually dead with a mother weeping for the loss of her son. Suddenly, the pole bearers were told to stop and the son was raised back to life because the Lord had compassion on the mother. Death, sickness, Peter's mother-in-law had a fever that was healed. Mental problems, vexations, annoyances, irritations of the mind, double-mindedness, scattered, broken to a billion pieces, the, the fragmented soul put back together and made whole. Spiritual problems, demonic problems, Demons infested human beings dwelt in them. A man with a legion of demons. Some said that was over 2,000 demons. Whatever a legion was, a one man had in his soul a legion of demons. And these legion of demons were cast out into a bunch of pigs. And the pigs ran down the hill violently and were drowned in the sea. That was the end of the bacon business for some of those Samaritans, I think they were, or on the island of the Gadareans, actually. They got angry at Jesus and said, you need to get out of here. Go away from us. You just ruined our pork business. Whatever the case is, this is the truth. This is more than just a fact. This is truth. God is a healer, and God can heal you, and God has already sent the medicine to you. When you accepted Jesus Christ, you accepted the tree of life. You were connected to a vine that produces healing. Your branch is to be vibrant. The leaves on the tree are for the healing of the nations. And the fruit on that branch is to be ripe, beautiful fruit because of the anointing, the ointment, the medicatant that is flowing through the vine into you. By his stripes, you are healed. He is the anointed one, and his anointing flows into your life. Do you believe? That there's an anointing for your, your, your healing, spirit, soul, and body. When did this restriction come into the earth? When was the anointed spoken to and told, flow no more, heal no more, deliver no more? Where in those scriptures do you find God saying, no more healings, no more miracles, no more signs. It doesn't exist. And yet the devil made people believe 
that God somewhere said, no more. It was only for them. It was only for that time. And yet we know that the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Spirit of God has not exhausted his resources nor his ability. The Lordship of Jesus Christ has not waned old, but he is alive forevermore to all who believe in him and would call upon his name. For whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved from whatever affliction. Oh, we're living in a day right now as we have been neglectful to do it, but we've continued to do it anyways at different intervals, from Passover to Pentecost, the days of the counting of the Omer. And it was supposed to be days of expectation, days of anticipation, days that we would be waiting, counting up, building up to that great day of Shavuot. For the Jews under the Old Testament, From the time of their Passover out of Egypt, 50 days later, they were brought to Mount Sinai. And there God gave them his law for the New Testament. From the day that Jesus was the Passover lamb and was crucified upon the cross. 50 days later, there were people in an upper room that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? One group of people under the first covenant received the law. Second group of people that were entertaining a brand new covenant received the spirit. The new covenant is a covenant of Holy Spirit, grace, eternal life. The Old Testament was the law that produced condemnation, guilt, shame. It was a holy law, but it could not produce the eternal intention of the Father. Because that holy law was shining in the heart of a guilty mankind, a condemned human race. So the condemned human race saw the holy law of God, but it could not deal with it. It, The law could not produce what only the Spirit can produce. In the new covenant, when the Spirit of God was given, it was to dwell on the inside. It was to dwell within. It was to dwell inside of the human being, to dwell in the mind, to dwell in the soul, to dwell in the heart, to dwell in the spirit, to dwell in us. The law condemned, but the spirit gave life, regeneration, ability, the can-do to walk in the fullness of what God had originally intended. I mean... This is simple, right? So we're now 33, 34, 35 days into the counting of the Omer. We can look it up in a brief second. I mean, right now I can tell you exactly where we are in the count. And for those that are counting, today is the 33rd day. All right? So it'll begin tonight. Okay? For Wednesday night. So we're in the 32nd day. At sunset tonight, it will be the 33rd day. So we're 33 days in the count leading up to the Feast of Shavuot. For New Testament believers, it's the Feast of Pentecost. Pente meaning 50. 
And what we're doing is we're celebrating in remembrance how the church was born, how the new covenant came into view, how the shift and the, and the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the law of Moses to the giving of the spirit of God's grace and God's Holy Spirit. It was a time of transition. Those 50 days were transitional days. And we believe that you and I today are in a time of transition. That the time of transition is here. There's something shifting. There's something moving. And yet we're celebrating in memory the feast of Shavuot in its truest meaning, the harvest. And you know from the time of Pentecost in the New Testament, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. You talk about a harvest, a feast of harvest under the Old Testament. Well, the New Covenant... By the giving of the Spirit, <clears throat> souls were harvested into the kingdom. Wow. 3,000 one day, 5,000 the next day. <clears throat> so we're celebrating. We're remembering the feast. What's really awesome is we're not looking at it as an abstract thing, like <clears throat> celebrating Johnny's birthday. Everybody comes to the party, but they look, and it has nothing really to do with them. It just has, this is Johnny's birthday. What's different about what we're celebrating is we're directly connected to it. Because the giving of the Holy Spirit to every person that will receive the Holy Spirit is who the church is, which we are a part of. We're connected to it, which means we have all the promises. What happened 2,000 years ago is directly connected. It's intrinsic to our existence as believers. We're looking forward. We're looking forward to this celebration. I have an expectation. I have a hope, and I hope you do too. What is my expectation? What is my hope? I've tasted that the Lord is good, and so have you. I've had a foretaste of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I am convinced that something happened to me that has taken my life from darkness to light, that has taken me from death into life. And I have experienced in a measure what it means to live the out-resurrection from among the spiritually dead. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses, but through the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus from death, I have been brought from death into life. It's real. It's absolutely phenomenal what God has done in my life with a foretaste, with a measure. And I'm believing that there's a greater measure to come. I'm believing that what I have from the Lord was not all that he wanted to give. I believe there's more love. I believe there's more grace. I believe there's more faith. That's why we go from faith to faith, from strength to strength. There's more. I believe that there's more. And I believe that as we are a final generation, or at least it appears from every biblical standpoint, that we are the generation that will potentially witness the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ after the great tribulation, which seems to be coming with speed now upon the earth. I believe that God has a special unction. I believe that God has a special anointing. 
I believe that God has something so extremely awesome that it's going to break to a billion pieces the strongholds of the enemy. It's going to shatter the darkness and the glass of smoke and mirrors of deception. And I believe that God has something. He said, I saved the best wine until last. I saved the very best, and I believe is a final generation, a last generation, that is going to have to be confronted by a demonic one-world government, to be confronted by the principalities and powers of a manifested satanic regime upon this earth that God is going to give to his faithful few. An anointing and an unction to guide them like wise virgins receiving oil. Wise virgins who have oil in their lamps and the unbelieving, the futile, the lazy who never got the oil are going to come and ask for their oil and they're going to have to give a hard answer. No, I'm not going to give you what I need to make it to the end. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give away in the name of love or anything else. I will not give you because of your rejection. I'm sorry you haven't been a wise virgin. That's your deal. What you need to do is go buy from those that are selling it. But I cannot give you because what I have is going to help me to get to where I need to be. And that's with the Father. I need to be with the Son of God, my bridegroom, right? That's what the wise virgins will say. It's not that I don't love you. It's that I love him more. And if I give you the anointing that is designed to help me to endure to the end, if I give you everything that I need, if I give it to you, I won't make it. And that will mean that I loved you more than him, and I don't. Let me be clear. I do not love you as much as I love him. And if you've been a foolish virgin, I mean, I care about you. I love you, and hopefully you'll go buy some, but I can't put you before God. I cannot put you before God. I cannot allow you to be an anointing sucker. I cannot allow you to draw out of my life the bit that I have, the measure that I have, that I need to guard and carry me through. I can't give that away because then I would go into outer darkness with you. And I'm not willing to do that. I am not willing to do that. I believe the Spirit of God has been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and sowing and sowing and sowing, but I believe a lot of it's getting wasted. I believe a lot of it is going by the wayside. I believe there's a lot of people listening with half an ear. I I, I just believe that there maybe are offenses and there are weeds in the heart that this word is not taking root in some people, and, you know, that terrifies me. I have to believe there are some that are receiving a 30-fold. Some are getting the 60-fold. And even fewer are stepping into the 100-fold realm of what God is doing in this hour. Jesus poured out to everybody around him. And so much of his precious seed was devoured by demons People heard the word, but they didn't understand. So the demons came and plucked the word out of their heart and produced no fruit. Then there were those standing by that heard the same word of God that the holy saints of God heard, and they had rocks of offense in their heart. 
They had lived. Something had offended them. In these rocks of offense, this unplowed territory, the word of God, this precious seed, fell upon the rock. It got in there, but it fell upon the rock, and it couldn't have any depth. And therefore, when the sun rose up, problems came. They were offended for the word of God. There was no depth. It couldn't produce any fruit. There was no longevity to it. And then there were those that had the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. This is why the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 1, If thou will return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if you will put away your abominations, out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove, and thou shalt swear the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. God was pleading with the nation of Israel to return to him. Their hearts had become so hardened, their ground so hard. And isn't that exactly what God does when he sends missionaries to the ends of the earth to declare the holy words of God to turn nations back to God? Isn't the purpose of the missionary to go to the ends of the earth and to declare the kingdom of God and its king? to turn the nations back to God, to turn them to the one true creator. We have on the line with us this morning our dear friends, Kathy and Brian, all the way from Tennessee. Let's take their call and say good morning to them. Hello, Kathy and Brian. How are you today? Good morning. Hi, good morning. Very good, thanks. All righty, all righty. The missionaries that are on the move for the living God, how are you? What's going on? What's the news? How have you been in the last two weeks? We missed you last week. Brian, how's your back doing, first of all? Oh, my back's doing much better, thank you. It was, uh, I've done it several times. It's like, but uh, it was, this was one of the worst times, so it took a while to recover, but I'm back in action. But, um, you know, I was thinking that, um, just kind of in line with that about you were speaking a little bit about healing and, and the fact that God does heal and whatnot. And, and, you know, it's like whenever something like this happens to me and, and someone prays for me and, and of course I got prayed for and, but it didn't just get healed right off the bat. And, and, you know, it occurs to me that like sometimes in our suffering, just like in judgment that, that God brings, sometimes it, it's like, healing is not God's primary purpose. Sometimes there's something that he's trying to teach us. And, and we had a boy in, a, in, in the cottage where I work yesterday, and he, he cut his toe pretty bad, and his foot, he can't feel his foot. And so 
And so they, one of the boys said, oh, you should have so-and-so pray for him. And I just said, well, why don't you pray for him? And he said, oh, no, I don't pray for people. And then and another kid, I said, well, why don't you pray for him? He said, you're a Christian. He said, oh, I'll pray for him when I'm in my room. And uh, so I said, okay, this is how you do it. And, and so I prayed for him. But then I, as I was praying for him, I said, you know, Lord, you know, please heal him now. Please, you know, heal all the bone, heal, heal, heal the sinews and the nerves and everything. And and um, unless there's something that you need to teach him first, you know, because I had this image of, of Jacob, you know, and God, Jacob who wrestled with God, and God blessed him, and part of that blessing was getting his hip knocked off out of joint so that he would, he would um, walk with a limp for the rest of his life. And, and you know, this, this kid is, um, he's, he's 17 years old, and his dream is to join the Marines and become a sniper but he's also a new Christian. And so I've been talking to him about the conflict between wanting to kill people and, and, and send them to hell versus being a Christian, you know, and, um, them, right. and he, he's wrestling with that. And it just occurred to me that, that, wow, what if, what if he has like permanent nerve damage, just enough to keep him from ending up in the Marine Corps, you know? And so we can't just, we can't just assume. And when I was, you know, Whenever I'm in, in severe pain, it's like obviously I try to do whatever I can to make it go away, but then I also realize that, that, that this is an opportunity to identify with Jesus, you know, and I imagine him being nailed to the cross, and no matter what pain I'm experiencing, it's like as bad as it might be, it is nothing compared to what he endured on the cross. And, he, you know, Jesus said, talking about discipleship in Matthew 10, you know, that, that you know, a student is not above his master. If they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. And so... That doesn't just mean that prophetically speaking that I'm going to have the same thing happen to me that Jesus is doing, but, but it's just an indication that I should be looking for opportunities to identify with him. And, and no matter what we're doing in our lives, whether we, are, whether we are being blessed or whether we are being judged, you know, in the midst of a nation being judged, um, or, or, or we're suffering pain, it's like everything is an opportunity to identify with Jesus. And when we identify with him, and we understand what he's trying to teach and show us, that's a lot of times in my own personal experience, that's, that's when the pain disappears and the healing comes. So, and that's just an experiential thing. So, Amen. What a great opening, and I love that. Uh, you read the Bible, and you find that, uh, obviously, in Jerusalem, Israel, throughout Israel 2,000 years ago, when Yeshua came to that nation, uh, they were sick. There were a lot of sick people. There were a lot of demon-possessed people. And on one occasion, Lord, who did sin, this man or his parents? Um, So they had an understanding that sickness was related to sin. But in this case, Jesus said, neither. This is for the glory of God. And the man got healed. Then we know that the woman that was about to be condemned and another man in the temple that was healed, Jesus said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So we, we have these different understandings, but in every single case, he heals everybody. Regardless of what it was for, they get healed. Can we expect divine healing um, for people that are sick in any area of their life? Does the Bible actually teach us that according to our faith, let it be done? And is that something that needs to be restored in the church today, a living faith, rather than using Scripture to accept the failure or the so-called failure of not being healed. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I, I think uh, it's this and that, because cause he did um, say that, uh, let it be according to your faith for a certain healing. And then there's times where he 
cast out demons and healed people without with that were unbelievers, I believe, you know, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, sure. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, I would never disregard my faith in playing a part of praying for someone that needs healing or receiving it myself, regardless. My faith stands, and if they don't get healed or if I don't get healed or if I don't see it right away or something moved, it does not um, determine my faith whatsoever. It's just not God is God and he is sovereign. Amen. Nor does it diminish the authority of Christ's healing power. And and I think that's a very honest statement because sometimes we think, well, because I prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed, uh, that somehow this has something to do with Jesus' deficiency. And it really doesn't. And the thing I've always thought, Brian and Kathy, is I I searched the scriptures and I wanted to know, did anybody ever go to Jesus for healing and they didn't get healed? Do you know I could not find one incident? I could be wrong, but not one incident did anybody, whether it was a leper, whether it was 10 lepers, whoever it was, a centurion praying for his servant, Every single time someone asked him for healing, they got it. What's different about today? Well, I think uh, I think that, um, you know, we're not Jesus, but yet we have the, his Holy Spirit living in us. And he says, go and, you know, lay hands on the sick, pray the prayer of faith, and, they, and God will raise them up. But um, we live in an imperfect world, and just like, you know, he's giving gifts, according to the grace and uh, to some men, some people have, we all have different gifts and to different um, degrees of uh, the grace upon our lives. And, um, but none of us is a hundred percent walking as Jesus did. So uh, that's what I understand. Okay. um, Go ahead, Brian, please. I, I, I think that, you know, one answer is according to your faith, but that's paradoxical because if we read in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're saved by grace through faith, which itself is a gift, right? So faith is like, I think there's people that, that believe that they can conjure up faith and have more faith. And if they can conjure more of faith up, then they're, gonna, then they're going to be able to operate more powerfully in the gifts. And then I think, but then I think that, that it's really, Jesus said, anything that you ask in my name, it will be done, you know? And, and what I take from that is, is, we need to be aligned with God. So if we're going to do something, and I'm not saying that God doesn't want to heal or won't heal, but just, just as a general principle that we first need to be aligned with God, you know, and aligned with his will. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, there's, God's timeline might be different than ours. And so I think there's a lot, an ex- expectation that you're going to see with healing, you're going to see this instantaneous whammo, you know what I mean? Legs growing out and all this other stuff. And, and that's fine if that's God's will, but then sometimes, like I said, healing comes, but it comes on God's timeline, and it might not be instantaneous, right? Miracles happen instantaneously, but healing sometimes sometimes take time, you know, and the same thing goes for my back. And, and But then, you know, there's people that, that are, you know, the Bible says that we're all appointed a time to be born and a time to die. And, and if I, we, we had a a friend of ours who she was diagnosed with a brain tumor when she was 14 years old 
she's in the church and she was at all the meetings and she was at all the at all the healing meetings and everything and she went in and out of remission and every time she went out of remission everybody said well praise god she's healed and then and then uh when she went out of remission well we need to pray harder and and in the meantime this this young girl was was encountering god and she was like she was just like i mean she was the embodiment of a spotless bride and Towards the end of her life, she was having having seizures. She was 26 years old when she died, and in the last days of her life, she was literally begging to like for people to listen to her, and she was trying to like say tell people and minister to the people that were ministering to her, you know. And they were just like pursuing this healing, pursuing this healing, pursuing this healing, and and she had her whole entire ten, over 10 years of her life were a ministry that God was doing through this affliction that she had. And but nobody heard her, and it was it, and it was so tragic, you know. And I think I think we need to broaden our perspective because if 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 it was God's intention to heal everybody all of the time, perfectly all the time, then none of us would die, you know. And I and I think there's something bigger going on. So so my take on it is like I'm obedient, and if like and someone is sick and they ask me to pray for them, I pray for them. Or even even if I, I God leads me to pray for them, I'll ask them, can I pray for you? And I will pray for them. But but I, I have complete and total faith that God's will will be done, you know. And if it's and if it's this person's time to be healed, they're going to be healed, you know. But if it's this person's um, time to die, then maybe I need to be I can continue to pray, but I need to be paying attention to what God is actually trying to do in the midst of the situation. <clears throat> yeah, very good conversation, and it's very challenging, quite frankly. Um, you know, the question is, you know, I, and I search the scriptures again, and I think, all right, who was it that was sick and that was dying that was giving God the glory without being healed? And I, I'm just saying this from a biblical perspective, not my own experiences, and I can't find anybody that was sick and dying of a disease that was giving glory to God uh, in that relationship that you just talked about, which I believe is very true, what you're saying but I, I'm wondering, because here's the question in John 14, verse 9, uh, Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And I think the confusion comes in is that we, we read this scripture, and, you know, he said, well, the works that I do that you're going to do, even greater works. Well, what were the works? He healed everybody that came into contact with him. So are believers supposed to look at these scriptures and say, well, that was for them, but not for us? Are they wasting their time putting their faith in what Jesus said? Anything you ask in my name, I will do it. So it, it is a rather, you know, uh, it, it's a conflict 
for some people. For me, it's not a conflict. You know, people can believe whatever they want. I'm not saying I'm some holy healer or anything like that. I just believe that I will always take an opportunity to pray over anybody for everything, even dead people I've prayed over and uh, did not see them resurrect. But I, I'm, I'm asking myself, should I just ignore these words or they, do these not have anything to do with me? So it's kind of a conflictual um, passage. What are your thoughts? Yeah, again, I think it's, um, you know, is it Psalm 37 or 34? I forget which one it says, but but basically it, it's saying that, that – um, if we pursue the Lord, I'm paraphrasing here, he will give you, give you the desires of your heart. And, and I used to, you know, I, I tell people that I used to think when I, when I first, you know, accepted the Lord, you know, prayed the prayer, I used to think, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically acknowledge him and I, I, I'm going to pursue him and then he's going to give me a million dollars or he's going to give me whatever I want. And what I've come to understand as I've matured is that, he will give you the desires of your heart, meaning he will put his desires in our heart. And, and, um, and so I think the key is, is that we, what we first have to have is we have to be so aligned, so intimate with him that, that it's, it's his desires in our heart all the time. And if we're asking for his desires, then, he, then anything that you do in his name is going to happen. And I, so I think the solution is like, Again, it comes down to our greater intimacy with God, greater greater alignment with His will. And and if I'm doing something at some time and I'm asking for something, maybe it's because it's 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 not His will. But you know, it's it's paradoxical. And I guess you can like I'm I'm not bothered by this either, you know. But um, and I'm not bothered by the paradox. And most of the people that I know that really operate in gifts of healing say like the very first question they're going to have when they get to heaven is why didn't everybody get healed? You know? And so, and I, but I yeah. think, I think God is paradoxical and, and his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and we're not going to figure it out. And, but I, I still think that it's just, everything really comes down to, well, I need to be more attuned to him and his will and what he's doing. And, and basically I think what Jesus is saying that it is possible for us to w- walk on this earth and to be able to, see and hear what he and the father are doing at all times. And, and, um, and if we don't, it's because we allow interference into our lives. So is it possible, that was well said, is it possible that a person um, is, you know, laying in a hospital bed somewhere, they're having some real strong issues. They read scriptures like he came to set the captives free or Jesus Christ appeared to destroy the works of the devil. So if a person is lying in bed with a, with a, uh, or a report from a doctor that you're, you're going to die in six months because you have bone cancer or whatever. And if this person has genuine faith and they look at that Bible and say, okay, you came to set the captives free, Lord. I'm captive to a disease. You came to destroy the works of the devil. You certainly are not putting this bone cancer in my body. It is a demonic work. And so you, you have the ability, the anointing breaks the yoke. You have the ability to destroy this. A person should... If they have this genuine faith, and sometimes I think we're just really not understanding what genuine faith is, you know, the faith of a little child to believe for anything that God says he can do. I don't know if it grows old. I don't know if it just changes in its, in its complexity. But a person that sees this promise, they should be able to pursue that. I mean, 
you, you can't, we can't uh, discourage people from believing that God can heal them, right? No, absolutely. God can and does. I mean, we've seen it Amen. just since we've been here in Tennessee. We've seen people healed of stage four cancer just because, you know, somebody prayed and they went to the doctor next the next day and they were, you know, they were um, uh, cancer, free. Um, cancer free, you know, and it just Amen. doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we know it happens. It's, it's, when, it's when we pray and it doesn't happen that we, that we get confused. You know, and and I think yeah. that's where the faith really has to come in because we have to walk by faith, not by sight. You know, in Colossians 3, it says, set your mind on things above, not below, you know. And it's like, yes, he came to set the captives free, but Paul said to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he wasn't, he wasn't like being metaphorical there. He was being quite, quite literal, you know. It's like this life is not, you know, this life is not where it's at. We're sojourners here, you know, and... And we have we have you know works that he that he preordained for us to walk in you know once we're saved by grace and faith, but it's um it's just we're just we're not going to figure it out at least I don't think I'm going to figure it out you know yeah. and even even the times that I have prayed and seen God move it's like it's it's uh, I have to be honest it's just like probably my faith in in anything happening was at, at its lowest point you know. And, you know, and to that, I just, I, I read the scripture and I see like, like when I'm weak, he's strong, you know, I'm like, Lord, I just like, I don't know what to do. It's like, I don't even feel I'm so inadequate in this, but I'm just going to be obedient to your word. And, and I'm just going to pray, you know what I mean? And then, then, then a, a demon came out one time and a guy got healed another time. So God, who knows, you know, it's like, yeah. you have to say like, <laughs> according to my faith, well, what is my faith? I, I probably, I, I, I suspect that we don't even really understand what that word truly means. And we're not going to know until we, yeah. until we, we see him face to face, you know, and that's, that's when we're going to know even, even as we are known. Right. So, Amen. yeah, I mean, I this. <laughs> also, also back to that scripture you were um, reading, um, you said that uh, greater works will we do. And what is that word works? Mm-hmm. It, I mean, there's way more works than just healing. I mean, a salvation is, is miraculous. It's, that is the miracle working of God in action. And so um, we tend to just focus on sometimes, oh, the healing, the greater works, healings and miracles and, and um, raising the dead. And the other thing, he says that some people have the gift, you know, the gifts of the spirit, you know, and one of them is the gift of healings and miracles and faith. They're all grouped together, those three, you know, and then there's prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. So um, healing, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a gift. Right. And so I was just thinking now this might not be scriptural, but like as a parent, you know, you want to give good gifts to your children. They're walking around spoiled or they're not going to acknowledge that you gave them this gift and say that someone else got it or they earned it themselves. Then, um, you know, why would you I think I would want to retract that gift or something, you know, not that God's retracting healing. I'm not saying that just that are we, you know, are we spoiled kids that insist? that we have it because we interpret it this way? I'm just asking, you know, and I think there's a lot of room, you know, I know God can heal because I've been part of full-blown miracles and um, with my dad and and a couple other people, but, um, and then I try to go heal, you know, pray for someone and nothing happened for years. And, and, um, you know, God is sovereign. So I just leave it up to him and I, 
like you, you know, I just continue to pray. I'll pray to raise the dead if somebody I love dies. I will pray for healing, you know. I pray for salvation and all that, but it does not uh, detour faith, of course. And so I don't know. God is such a – there's a lot we don't know. I think the more we walk this walk of faith, there's more questions than there are answers. So with that said, and that's, a, and that's a great point, and I agree with that. And the, the scripture I found, by the way, in James chapter 117, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Uh, I love that about Father God. Uh, he does give good and perfect gifts. Now, my, my thought is this about our conversation, is that I believe, and could I be wrong? Absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, Someone could be long, but every bit of evidence and every sign ever spoken of in Scripture is happening around us right now, which causes me to believe that we're living in the last days. And in my belief of living in the end times, realizing that things are coming on the earth, that God is foretelling us so that we could be prepared, I happen to believe that God has an unction. I believe that God was wanting to get is going to get something to the ecclesia so that it will equip us to be able to stand and endure and go through. Now, what I'd like to believe is that that provision of the Father, because every time God's ready to bring people through something, he always provides things for them to be able to get through. And, you know, I don't want to get sick and die on the 1200th day of the Great Tribulation. I want to be able to walk into this moment uh, of knowing this, this 42 months, these 1260 days, these three and a half years, that there is a provision from God that I will be able to get through without using the medical system, without using the things of this world, totally dependent upon God, like the Israelis were in the wilderness. I want to be able to go through and be alive and remaining. Now, I know if that is not the timing, then we will have our appointment with death. But there is uh, a time in Scripture that there will be those alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord. So I want to be one of those in our generation that will be alive and remaining. So I'm trying to build my faith in every single promise of God. I don't want to base it upon other people's experiences or my own seeming failures of not doing it and it didn't work and all that. I want to believe that there's an unction coming, an anointing, a, a spiritual baptism for the people of God that are understanding what time it is, are moving in that direction so that we can carry this glory into this season that we have to go through and come out on the other side. Um, am, I, am I being, um, is there anything wrong with what I'm believing uh, from your perspective? I don't think so. And I, 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 but if there is, you know, share it with me. I'd love to know. No, we, we totally believe with you on that. 100%. But, yeah, we believe that there will be a time that, you know, we're going, you know, we're going to have to stop bleedings and, you know, you know, without any medical people around. You know, we both believe that there's going to come a time um, in our lives for that in the future. Yeah, I think it's ever since ever since we first met and we've been married. You know, we we've we've talked about this that we were born. You know, we were born for the last days, and both of us, even as kids, even not not really understanding what that meant or anything. We just had this sense that we were just born to like to walk through and help people through crisis. And, and, um, you know, just our entire experience on the mission field, it's just that, you know, I always say God worked in spite of us, not because of us. You know, we had things that we intended to do and tried to do and whatnot, but God usually moved 
in spite of those things, you know. And there's just it's 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 hard to it's hard to describe because you know if I say if I talk about like that we were surrounded by by head hunters in the in the Amazon and we thought we're, it looked like we we're about to get speared but the, we had complete total peace and then God just delivered us delivered us out of it you know because the leader of the that we were with had just had just recently led the uh, the chief to the Lord um, you know it's you, you kind of wrap your mind around it but our experience of the grace that came upon us in that moment the grace and power of God to to be in that situation to 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 have the peace that passes all understanding you know, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's something that we can articulate. And because we've experienced several things like this, we, we understand that in the crisis that God will bring us through it. And not only will he bring us through it, but he, we will have peace while he does it. In fact, peace is part of, part of what bears witness to the fact that he brought us through it. And, you know, when, when I, we look at, at, at the book of Revelations, you know, and like Revelations 12, it's like I compare that to the Exodus, you know, where, where God provided for them supernaturally, they they didn't they didn't know that they were going to be fed with manna in the desert. You know, God fed them supernaturally, and and um, and just as far as like the, the gifts, I think as the persecution increased, then then I, I suspect that the the gifts are going to increase in their in their um in their power. You know, it's like that double outpouring that you prophesied about. That amidst the persecution, there is going to be a double outpouring, and and uh, you know, in Matthew 24, Jesus, you know, he, he, he puts the outline about, about the birth pains and about right before he speaks about the tribulation, then he says, and the gospel will be preached, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that think that, like, well, we've got to run around and we've got to get the gospel preached and everybody's got to hear it. And as soon as everybody hears it, then, then Jesus is going to come. But I read that and I see that, you know, during this whole, as the birth pains increase, there are going to be more and more and more people coming into the kingdom because people are freaking out. And, and even working at the, at the boys' home where I'm at, you know, I've got kids now who are coming up to me, some of the, like, really bad kids who are coming up to me and say to me, like, hey, uh, do you think the rapture is going to happen very soon? You know, and I'm saying, well, you know, if you, you know, step away from all the stupid stuff that you're doing and, and pull me aside, we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation about it, and I'll take you right through the scriptures, and I'll show you exactly what I think, ah. and it's in Matthew 24. And... Um, but I think that's just like a God was just using that as an example to show me that as we enter into the, this these acceleration of birth pains that, that you've been talking about, and I totally we totally bear witness to, we're going to see more and more people who are like, "Hey, what's going on? Is this it? Is this it? Maybe I should come now." You know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Wow, so many thoughts arrive in the mind as you're talking about so many different situations. Um, I, I believe that our focus, our focus is as we move forward, that there is a place in Scripture, as you just brought up in Revelation 12, a place prepared by God for a particular group of people that will be nourished for three and a half years, which means they're going to be well taken care of during that time. And this is, and I totally agree with you. I mean, to be beheaded for Jesus Christ, what a great martyr's reward you get for that one, right? Uh, tortured for Christ. I mean, these are concepts that a lot of people don't like, but I mean, honestly, to suffer for Jesus, 
is the most joyful thing that could possibly happen. Beware when all men speak well of you, right? So if we're, if we're suffering or we're killed or we're persecuted or beheaded or tortured for Christ, and I don't want any bamboo shoots up my fingernails, I just don't want it to happen. But for whatever case we do something for Christ, it's going to be a beautiful reward. And if God sees fit to have a people spared, you know, in that wilderness, in that place of provision, um, you know, that's glorious too. Praise the Lord. Um, but there are people that we've all had experiences and, you know, we've lost loved ones, people we care about, people we pray for, people we believe. We've lost them. I lost my pastor, for goodness sake, um, who believed in life and every day was a gift of life to him. Um, but we're still here. We are still here. And there's a reason for that. And I do believe that God knows everything. And he, he, he does know it. And you're, and you're right. Who has been his counselor? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Uh, we will strive to access what he has said and believe every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and labor in that to whatever degree we will. But we also do admit that if any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing as he ought. And so we humble ourselves in that manner. We do desire to see the sick people healed. We do want to see Christ glorified in healing. We do desire it. And if we be honest, our generation is woefully lacking in genuine miracle signs and wonders, uh, the way that Jesus performed them in his day. And during the apostolic age, when the apostles were going about, uh, they were doing the same works that Jesus did do. And this, these 2,000 years of, of, of distance, Maybe God is going to give a double portion, double for our trouble, because as it was in the beginning, so shall it be at the end. And this is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a microburst of God's glory. I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping for it. I'm laboring like everybody else to believe in what the Bible says. But there's an experience of turning knowledge into experience, water into wine. There's an experience that I believe all of us want to get involved in to see the glory of God manifest your thoughts. Well, I think that, um, you know, I think we say as, as believers that, like, we need to be dependent, dependent on God. And, like, really, in, the, in our um, modern country, comparatively speaking to people like in third world, war, third world countries, like Africa or, you know, all the many poor countries, it's like, really, as Americans, are we completely dependent on God? I mean, come on, do we check our bank account? Do we balance our checkbook? Do we uh, budget? Do we, I mean, those things, you know, I understand, but like, and do we have a doctor? Do we have health insurance that we go to when we're sick or we, you know, have a big gash in our leg? I mean, we run to the doctor. We, we already, it's embedded in us that we have these things at our disposal in America and first world countries. But that's why we see miracles like they happen in Africa and the real poor countries. These people are really dependent on God. They have no other source. And so we have to really ask ourselves, you know, do we, do we really depend on God? And, and yes, there'll be a time when we're probably forced to, which is coming up that we're speaking about. And then I think that's when we might see more of the miraculous. And the other thing is when you said that God, you know, I think it was it Revelation 12 mm-hmm. about God nursing has a place and will nourish us in the wilderness is like 
We are nourished from his word, and that's what brings faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this, we are getting healthy. We're eating his word. Our faith is building, and he is nourishing us. And he will. It will manifest, I believe, in the physical. If, we, if our eyes are on him, it will just naturally happen, whether he's going to pour mana down or, or someone's going to have a big old, we're just going to come together and food will be multiplied. I don't know how it will work out, but I see that, uh, that that's where our nourishment should start and, um, and bring us into there, into his care. And the other scripture that I, comes to mind is that everything that will be shaken that can be shaken will be shaken, and that which cannot be shaken will remain. The only thing that cannot be shaken is, is his word. It goes back to being nourished by God. And, and, the, and Amos talking about the famine in the land is, is from the word of God. There's a, a, a famine of the word of God. And I think, yeah, hearing of the word of God. And so to me, it's just like as we prepare for the unknown, I mean, we kind of understand what's going to happen, but we don't understand how it's going to play out and how it's going to look. But the most important thing is that we do our part and, and continue devouring his word, building our faith, and um, standing on it as things start shaking and, um, and uh, being obedient and doing what he says and, and believing him and trusting him. Kind of the basic yeah. foundation of a Christian. <laughs> right. And Kathy, as you're talking, I, I'm biting at the bit here, and, and thank you for the interaction. So um, what, I'm, what I believe with all of my heart, I believe this, that the greatest glory of God is going to be manifested in the, uh, the midst of the ecclesia, wherever it is scattered all over the earth, during the Great Tribulation, I believe where God has those places where he's going to be nourishing with the word of God, the greatest teachings, the greatest understanding, the greatest unfolding of the mysteries of the deep spiritual word of God are going to be assisting in the preparation of the bride. I really believe this, that whatever churches we've gone to in our lives and heard the greatest sermons and the greatest messages, we have not even begun to be ministered to in the wilderness like God is about to do it, that the unveiling of the word of a people who have been totally separated from the world into his environment. And can you imagine an environment where people heard the word of the Lord, they prepared victuals, they prepared their food, they prepared water and land and territory that God protects He puts a dome over it. It's a supernatural protection of God along with whatever forms of protection God wants to have there. He'll even send hornets if he has to, right, and serpents. But the Mm -hmm. bottom line is here's a protected environment with physical food, physical water, you know, but an environment of believers who are operating, like you said, Brian, in the gifts of the spirit of healing, wisdom, revelation, knowledge. Hey, we need to go here. We need to go there. In other words, a season of the ecclesia of God operating on this earth in the midst of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth in an expertise of the spirit of God. That to me is what I believe God is wanting and is preparing for his people. Amen. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as you're as you're speaking, I'm I'm thinking of, of Matthew 25, the uh, the wise and foolish virgins, and um, 
you know, the, I, I, I always focused on the oil, which is pretty natural to do, right? I always focused on the oil in the lamp. But it says that they trim their lamps, you know. And I, I, I've never, I don't have any experience with lamps, but with oil lamps. But Kathy does, you know, having been sailed on a sailboat, like, for, you know, across half the earth. And, and um, but it's like to trim the lamp, you actually trim the wick such that it burns more purely. There's less smoke and soot that gets on the glass, and it burns brighter, you know. And, and I think that, like, what, what that's really referring to is, like, in this period of time, in, in the last days, that it's like those who are the wise virgins, right, will be, will be in this place, and, and it, it's the, the light of God is going to burn brighter in, in terms of, of the giftings and the revelation and the knowledge and the words of wisdom and, and just the power and glory of God being manifested on earth. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, we, we agree wholeheartedly, and it's like what you just described is what God, God showed us even before we were Christians, you know. That, that's what the time that we're, we're, we're supposed to be living in. And, and, and Kathy's always said, you know, we're going to be stopping bleeding because I think if you look at what's happening to our medical establishment right now, it's like we're moving in, we are moving in the direction of, like, that stuff isn't going to work. We're, we either we're not going to have medicines. The, the the whole the whole system is so corrupt that they, I mean everything is just falling apart completely. And if you go into a hospital, it's going to be like going to a, into a hospital in Honduras. It's like you go in there, you don't come out. And so people don't want to go to the hospital right. in Honduras. And I think the yeah. same is going to be here. And we're going to have to be completely dependent on God for for everything. Now you have a there's a revelation in your heart right now. I think God just give it to you about this, the, they, they trim their lamps, and you talked about the trimming of the wick, keeping it pure. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching wow. all the inward parts of the belly. So uh, the wick is the spirit, and when it's unattended to, and it gets decayed or whatever, maybe it can't light, and, 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 and then, of course, the depletion of the oil. So, yeah, very, very good. Very powerful time we're living in, no doubt about it. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, I love our conversation, and we could go so deep into it. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit. But um, you talked about the labor pains a little bit earlier. I believe that there are some pains going on. What are you picking up from what happened uh, in Buffalo, The uh, maybe the, the, the abortion issue that's going on, or other things that are happening. I guess there's some big decisions coming up with Article 42, 240,000 illegal aliens coming through the border of the United States just in the month of April. 240,000 came into this country in the month of April. Uh, most don't know where or who they are or whatever. That's an American thing. Um, but, the, but the issue of uh, the World Health Organization taking over something on May 23rd, there's, there's still a lot of movement on, on the proverbial chessboard. Uh, but what are your thoughts about this moment, especially Buffalo? Can you speak into Buffalo? What, do you, what did God show you about that? Oh, my, as soon as I heard about that, the very first thing I thought about was the prophetic word or the vision that you had of uh, the dream, the, you know, the shooting in the grocery store. You know, it's like it couldn't, it, it couldn't be any more clear. You know, it's just confirmation of the times that we're living in. And, um, and you know, I don't know if there's going to be if there's a, a, a larger, broader interpretation, you know, forthcoming. But but um, I think we're just we're just at the, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now because 
we've got orchestrated famine. You know, you've got Kathy saw uh, somewhere in the in the media. She saw a picture of stockpiles of baby formula down at the border when we can't get when we, you know, mothers in our country here can't get baby formula. And I don't know if that's if if that's the cause of of the. Uh, the, the shortage or if they're just putting it out there to because they want to inflame people you know they're bringing their I, I believe they're bringing these people in not because they want to help these people but because they want to inflame tensions in America you know it's a Hegelian dialectic uh, synthesis antithesis because they've got a synthesis that they want to do you know they, they and, and and Marxist theory is based on conflict theory that's pitting two classes of people against each other and and out of out of the chaos, they think they're going to bring a, a, a order, you know, a, a new world order, and and that's their plan. And so everywhere I look, I just see I see orchestrated conflicts being set up. And um, you know, you had the uh, uh, that shooting also. You know, it's on one hand they're saying that uh, the guy, the shooter, had the names of the victims of. Uh, a black supremacist who ran over a bunch of people in Wisconsin. They had their, he had names of the victims uh, inscribed in his rifle, in his weapon, you know, and who knows what's true, but it's all just, it's all just designed just to stir things up, you know, but in the midst of all of this, you know, I, I'm, I was focusing on Ezekiel 38, the, the, the um, war, you know, the, the war in Ezekiel 38. And, um, you know, it says, uh, let me just turn to the scripture real quick. Uh, where is it? Um, God, which is which is Russia, be prepared. Prepare yourself, you and all your hordes that are assembled around you, and be a guard and look out for them. So there are all these hordes that are assembling, you know, and want to attack Israel, want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. We have the we have the you know the I don't know. It's I guess it's a Muslim prophetic word that Israel will be destroyed by July 28th this year. And we have, for the very, very first time, we had, um, we see uh, Russian missile defense systems in Syria firing on Israeli planes. Um, the ministry, the minister of, um, of, uh, of, of defense in Israel, they're talking about Iran. Iran is about, they say, about maybe a week out from having enough fissile material to, uh, to uh, produce a nuclear weapon. And the ministry, the minister of defense in Israel is saying, you know, basically, we need to attack now because it's just only going to get harder. The longer we wait, the, the harder it's going to get, you know, and I just see uh, any kind of conflict between Iran and Syria um, or, or, or a proxy war via Iran in Syria. You know, I, I see that could be just like the, the uh, setup for um, the <clears throat> for the Ezekiel 38 war. And. And, um, you know, I've always wondered myself because, you know, through the years we've heard about Russia and it seems like, you know, Russia is more, uh, more um, Christian than a lot of the other nations and even Putin was a Christian. And I always wondered, like, how, how in the world can we, how is this going to set up with, with uh, Russia coming against Israel? And, and here we have it. You know, they just fired on Israeli planes for the first time and, and everything unraveling in the Ukraine. And then, then there's all the stuff coming out about the Kazaki and mafia. And I just, you know, I'm, I, I think we just really need to, like, pay attention to what happens in Israel. And that's the canary in the coal mine. Because in the meantime, we're going to have wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes in diverse places. And Jesus said, don't worry about that, but pay attention. 
pay attention for the rise of the abomination that causes desolation. And we're going to see, at some point, we're going to see, uh, it's probably going to be a, a lull in the storm, and they're going to, they're going to re-implement the, the, the daily sacrifice on the Temple Mount. The, the Sanhedrin in Israel is ready to go and at any time. And, and um, you know, they're talking about that now. There's, a lot, there's more and more and more talk about who's going to control the Temple Mount and whether Israel should have control of it. You've got Jewish worshipers sometimes being allowed up there. You've got Muslims who are, are using the, um, the, the mosque there as, as a basis to, like, create chaos and throw stones, and they're desecrating their own mosque. So I can tell, I, what I see is, is, you know, everything being set up for, for Matthew 24 to, to, to be fulfilled, you know, and it could happen a lot faster than we think. So, and then, of course, once we see the, once we see the da- daily sacrifice set up on the Temple Mount, then at some point, we don't know how long it will take exactly, but um, at some point, then the daily sacrifice will be removed, and the person that sets it up and the person that removes it is going to be the Antichrist, and that is when the three-and-a-half-year tribulation kicks off. So uh, it's, things are moving really, really fast, you know. But um, I, I just Israel is the, is the canary in the coal mine to pay attention to where we are in terms of um, the end times prophecy. Now, Brian, did you say that Russia fired on Israeli airplanes? Yes. Yep. Their missile defense what? systems in Syria fired on on Russian on Israel planes. Israeli planes. Did, did they hit them? Uh, I don't think they did. No. Okay. Okay. At least the, the article didn't say anything about it. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of unrest in Israel right now. I think 28 people were wounded or killed the other night in some kind of uh, situation that was happening in Jerusalem. I'm pretty sure is where it was. Uh, there was an attack over there. So again, that's that's a boiling pot. Um, I was looking, just shifting to something you said earlier, right here in northwest Arkansas, the price for a gallon of gas rose up for the regular, 87 88 $4.04 a gallon. Premium is $4.29 a gallon. Diesel fuel is $5.29 a gallon here, and it's normally very inexpensive here. And the price of fuel is rising, rising, rising. Who's getting rich? I mean, these are all the oil companies. And you think about Joe Biden being business with Burisma, an oil manufacturer company in the Ukraine, right? I mean, this is a really kind of zigzag, deep, you know, Alice in Wonderland. I mean, this is some deep stuff of trickery, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And it's it's, um, really easy to get stuck on, you know, one aspect of what's taking place and then miss everything else that's going on around you. And, you know, one of the oldest tricks in war, you know, is, is to direct the enemy's attention in one, di- in, in one direction where nothing's going to happen. And then, but in the meantime, you're coming around from another side. And I, and that is particularly true with the media, you know, and that's why I, I personally don't pay much attention to, to mainstream mainstream news and even alternative news that I listen to is, um, you know, I, I, I go and I verify and I look and it's like, I'm, I go on telegram and I actually look at like Russian news sources and what are they saying? And what are the Ukrainians saying? And what are they saying in Israel? And, uh, you know, it's interesting. And it's like, it's just getting, it's getting so thick and so confusing that it's really, really hard to, to, um, make heads or tails out of what's going on in the world, except for the fact that it's like everything that's in Matthew 24 is starting to line up. I mean, 
even even this, the number of earthquakes that we've had over the, in the last decade is like up over. I think it's the NOAA. I, I forgot exactly. I couldn't I couldn't go back and find it on their site, but I was uh, on their site at one point where it it's natural disasters are up 400 percent, you know, in the last 10 years, and and everything is increasing with with um, frequency and intensity, just like birth pains. And and you said there's there's a big birth pain coming, and I think it's it's you, know, you can sense it. I mean, Kathy and I were talking about it. It just the fact, just just around here, nothing in specific, but there's a there's a, an increasing pressure in, in the spirit, meaning not necessarily so much. We see fuel prices and whatnot, but there's an increasing pressure in the spirit that we're all starting to sense here. We don't know exactly what it is, but I mean, you look at the news. It's like it's. It's famines, natural disasters, wars, and rumors of wars, you know, and, and at some point they're going to start delivering us up. So, Yeah, you, know, you wonder how could anybody miss the signs. All right, we have to get to our hard close here in about two minutes. We're going to get running. By the way, the distraction of war, that's how I used to win all my snowball fights. I'd throw a snowball way high in the sky so they're looking up, and then I'd whack them. Uh, with a long drive. But um, anyways, you know, final word from uh, our dear friends. And I want you to know the day you guys want to come out to Northwest Arkansas, we'll set up a conference. We want you both to come. We want to meet you, greet you. We want to hear your hearts, give you opportunity to speak to the body of Christ and uh, not just on a, you know, an hour and a half uh, radio broadcast. So keep that in mind. People are wanting to see you. They, they want to connect with you. There's like-mindedness here. And so when you have access and there's time, you guys get out here. A final word before we go from each of you, please. Well, you bet, because we talk about it about every other day, <laughs> making a trip to Arkansas. So, yeah, it, yeah, probably in a couple months, I'm, I'm hoping. We'll give you a heads up. But uh, thank you. We're so excited to meet all of you. And, um, yeah, and I think, you know, just with what's going on, I just feel like in the last uh, week and a half, I've just felt like, definitely oppression in the air coming down and and i even got attacked and um and uh if it you know just questioning my faith and my you know and uh, i was sharing it with brian the other day and he just like he just stared me back with the word and it was like as soon as he said that i just broke down and cried because the enemy was trying to get at like i'm in the wrong place and i'm being judgmental and you know attacking me there and it really I took, I was in Matthew 25 looking at the talents, and anyway, without going into all the details, the enemy just came in and started to tell me that I was, you know, that I, I'm being judgmental, and look at, have you brought any fruit, Kathy, and da da da, because we had just gotten done looking at the send that was being um, streamed live from uh, Kansas City, International House of Prayer, and all these crazy youth, you know, thousands of youth just, like, jumping in, like, you know, like that, and, um, but the message, you know, is crazy woke. And um, so, and then Brian brought me back. And so I just want to encourage people to just not be lone loners out there because the, because the enemy can just pick you off with one little tiny thought, you know, or even when you're reading scripture, that's what happened to me. It was crazy. And so just we need each other and uh, we need to be transparent and, um, and help each other in these times. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for your vulnerability, Envy. I think a lot of people are walked through that season. We look over there and we go, wow, that, that's got to be it. And yet the faithful few that are preparing for what is inevitable, um, I think it's going to pay off. I know it's going to pay off in the moments ahead. So 
All right, Kathy, very good. Be encouraged. God bless you. And Brian, anything final you'd like to say before we go? I would say just kind of like along with, with what Kathy was, was saying, you know, kind of looking at, at what, what it looks like is happening with, with these movements and whatnot that are actually doctrinally not even close to sound at all and, and feeling kind of like less than and allowing the enemy to come in and attack your faith is like it's the, the key for us in terms of like this celebrity culture that we, that we live in is to go low and slow and, and, and to keep going lower and not, and not looking at what's going on and comparing, but be pursue God, pursue him, pursue relationship with him, pursue hearing him, you know, first through his word, first and foremost through his word. And, and, and then he will take care of the rest. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Depart from evil, and it will be healing to your flesh and strength to your bones. And, and, um, and that's it. You know, we just need to draw closer and closer to him and greater and greater dependency. And, and in terms of the world, just go lower. And that's it. How low can you go? We love you both. God bless you. Thank you for joining me on the air once again. You're always, remember, every Wednesday is yours. So, But I, I, I have to do my due diligence at least the night before and say, hey, we'll see you tomorrow, right? I want to make sure things are good. Yeah. I love you. God bless you both. Have a blessed day. Soar in faith. And we'll see you soon. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 All right. Brian and Kathy Gray, all the way from Tennessee, joining us, sharing in a conversation, just talking about things of God, things belonging to God, questions that people have. And it's all, it's all coming to this point. Everything is climaxing. Everything is culminating. Everything is being brought to this, this moment. And, you know, how we respond as a people to this moment as we look through the biblical lens to seek to understand, man, if we do what we believe, if we do what we know the Word of God says to do, I think we'll be a lot further ahead than people that just aren't even looking. They don't want to know. They just want to go about their business. Uh, We're living in some very, very interesting times. We expect that, and I was shocked to hear that July 28th, Brian brought up July 28th, that uh, Israel is supposed to be wiped off the face of the earth, which we know probably won't happen, but there will be a big war there. There's going to be a hit, no doubt about it, from the Islamic uh, prophecy. Um, I told you, watch out, there's an Islamic, there's two horns, and I don't even know what that means. I said it yesterday, and I believe it was by the Spirit of God, two horns coming out of Islam, and they're going to push. I think it has something to do with maybe Daniel chapter 8. I'll have to reread that. And um, yeah, have a great day. We love you. Be blessed as Pastor Vince. We'll see you tomorrow. Pastor Jeff Bass will be on the air with me tomorrow, Lord willing. I'll make sure I give him a call today and make sure that's good. Until we see each tomorrow. Goodbye.